We're gonna win. Don't wanna be a loser, gonna win. The man in the end zone, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles on the post route. Gives to Esme, leaps into the end zone, touchdown Notre Dame! Ball caught, touchdown! What a catch by Jaden Thomas! Hands off the dig, there he goes! 20, 15, 10, touchdown Notre Dame! Notre Dame football coverage continues now from Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Here come the Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 25 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Welcome back to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. I am Darren Pritchett joined by Patrick Engel, Notre Dame football writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out all of his writing at blueandgold.com. And if you're not a member of the Blue and Gold Nation, then we'll tell you how you can become one at the conclusion of our conversation. But right now, we're going to focus on Notre Dame football hot topics, which, of course, front and center, the departure of Tommy Reese. He's now the offensive coordinator at Alabama. And Marcus Freeman now searching for his brand-new offensive coordinator. Patrick, good to be with you on this Monday. How are you today? Doing great, Darren. I thought we were in the clear of uh, a coaching search, but or uh, staff turnover, I should say, but uh, here we are, and the, the carousel never stops. I was joking with someone in the media today. You know, we don't have a whole lot to write about with Notre Dame men's basketball and hockey right now, so we need a little drama. Well, I guess we have a little drama now as the Irish are searching for an offensive coordinator on February the 6th, which is kind of unique. And we'll talk about that in just a second. First, Patrick, I would love to get your take on the job that Tommy Reese did at Notre Dame as I've talked to several people on the show about Tommy Reese. There, So many people had so many different opinions in regard to Reese and what he did for the offense and recruiting. What is your takeaway from the Tommy Reese experience at Notre Dame? I think the numbers are what they are, and those are good, above average, uh, not elite or great, if you want to call like you, if your standard for great is top 15 in scoring or yards per play, uh, Notre Dame did not uh, get there. Uh, I think both years when you saw Notre Dame have an experienced quarterback, the offense was generally very good, just when you look at the scoring and yards per play numbers compared to nationally and within power five teams. Uh, the opinion of him in coaching circles is definitely higher that than in mm-hmm. uh, the fan base. And that's not to say like one is right and one is wrong or one's an idiot and one is, is smart. But I think that's pretty clear to see when you look at some of the jobs that he's been tied to with Nick Saban, getting him, Brian Kelly wanting him to follow him, Miami making a run at him. Uh, Sean McVay not being shy about, like, I really think highly of Tommy Reese uh, and, and others in there. And obviously coaches know some things, and I, they can identify coaching talent. And I think it's kind of the two things that are pretty pretty true and don't necessarily uh, one disqualify the other. Is that, uh, Reese is a very talented coach, but, you know, through three years, uh, talent hasn't equaled, you know, elite results and and I think that's what Notre Dame fans have wanted to see and even though there have been some things that maybe held that back that uh, aren't uh, Reese's control like QB injuries or 
to a lesser degree uh, of his out of his control offensive lines. But problems back from 2021 there. Uh, he's still the offensive coordinator, and you know he puts helps put together a lot of those rosters. So I, I think it's fair to have expected more, even though you figured okay he's a 30 year old coach with clearly has some talents as you figure like it's someone you still wanted to bet on. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not a, a loss for Notre Dame or that he's not a good coach or that Nick Saban is an idiot or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, it, it is not like Notre Dame is losing the, the Broyles Award winner per se, but right. is losing a, a coach who's viewed very highly and who's coaching talents even to some fans and, and to us who got a little bit closer to look at it, I think we're pretty clear. And I'm going to ask this next question to your colleague, Mike Singer, who, of course, covers recruiting at Notre Dame on tomorrow's program. But I'll kind of dip my toe into the water with you on recruiting. I've always felt like the offensive coordinator is the leader of the offensive recruiting. Now, Marcus Freeman has taken over as the lead recruiter, lead recruiter for offense, defense. And I think Marcus Freeman has helped Tommy Reese as a recruiter the last year because pre-Marcus Freeman quarterback recruiting and wide receiver recruiting compared to now is honestly night and day. I don't know if Tommy Reese got better, if Marcus Freeman made him better, whatever the case may be, but you mentioned the numbers at Notre Dame were okay under Tommy Reese. To me, I think some of his failures in recruiting hampered his ability to produce more points and more yards per game. Your thoughts on that sentiment? Yeah, I, I think he definitely, like, I mean, his two biggest quarterback recruiting gets, if you ask me, were the two that he got since yeah. uh, Freeman became head coach and, and CJ Carr and, and Kenny Minchie. And I think it's a little bit broad strokeish that it's like everything before it was not up to snuff. I think there's a difference between not recruiting or like bad recruiting results mm-hmm. and uh, evaluations. Like, no, no one was would have said like, oh, um, you know, I, I know, I know, this was not entirely recent. I'm forgetting the exact timeline of Phil Dracovic's, uh commitment date, but I don't think anyone would have said that was a bad like recruiting win given the ranking. And when you hear Brian Kelly then go out there and talk about him like he's Trevor Lawrence, but <laughs> obviously yeah. didn't quite uh, pan out. So I think there's a difference there that's uh, kind of important to uh, acknowledge there, but. Um, yes, I, I would imagine that just having Marcus Freeman in the head coach's office when he's the lead recruiter, when he's emphasizing the importance of this every single day, just has a way of rubbing off on his assistants. And you know, that's now it, that certainly seems like it would have to help, you know, get a, a commitment from a top 50 quarterback nationally in CJ Carr and being able to pull off a, a flip and, and be persistent but still sending the right message and getting a top 200 overall recruit to flip from another Power 5 program to Katie Menchie. Patrick Engel, Blue and Gold Illustrated, my guest. Is it a disadvantage for Marcus Freeman to try to find truly the offensive coordinator he wants on February 6th? I think it's definitely harder just because you've seen a lot of these guys that might be viewed as splashy hires or were kind of the talk of the season for what they did. Some of them either, either having signed big uh, extensions there, gotten a raise, gotten a head coaching job, already made that big move for a like a bigger salary at a, a bigger school or what have you. So, sure, it is kind of a, uh, I think, a, a bummer based on the timing that Notre Dame realistically probably isn't going to make a run at Garrett Riley from uh, TCU, who got a very nice raise to go to Clemson as offensive coordinator. 
Uh, same thing with the Alex Golsh from Tennessee. He's now a head coach at South Florida. All of those things have kind of already trickled out. And in that case, I think it's uh, difficult and that maybe your candidate pool realistically is a little lower. You've seen some of the hot like G5 names uh, already go to Power 5 schools, like, say, uh, Will Stein from UTSA, now at Oregon, uh, to use uh, one example there. And, and maybe those aren't total non-starters for Notre Dame, but it's a lot more of a lateral move when you assume that those guys have already uh, gotten a seven-figure annual salary from the place they just went to. So we'll see. And I, and I think that's uh, something that, yeah, you, you'd much rather have tried to fill this, say, six weeks ago. I mean, we're just – like, think of South Carolina, who Notre Dame played in the Gator Bowl. Like, they had already had a coordinator exit in mid-December. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here in Notre yeah. Dame is almost uh, two months later, uh, fresh off its, its coordinator exit there. But uh, I don't think that the – available or realistic candidates out there are like devoid of, of good coaches just because there's no one on this year's Bryles award finalist list or no one who was uh, coaching in the playoff per se uh, that's like out there to, you know, even if it won't be 10 out of 10 on the splashy scale that Marcus Freeman was when he got hired in Notre Dame two years ago as defensive coordinator. When you're Nick Saban and you have decades of coaching experience and you have come across hundreds if not thousands of individuals and when you have a vacancy sometimes you can go to that list for example he hired a guy in Kevin Steele as defensive coordinator who apparently he's worked with a couple of times before Marcus Freeman one year as a head coach you know he's been a defensive coordinator at Cincinnati a couple of other places his list of people he's run across or is comfortable with is a heck of a lot shorter so I'm really curious to see the individuals that Marcus brings in to be interviewed as offensive coordinator. Now, you put together a list of names that could be on Marcus Freeman's list of people to talk to, and you can check out Patrick's list at blueandgold.com. As you wrote the list down, is there anybody on the list you said, wow, that is a really interesting name. I'd be curious to see if Marcus is interested in them. Interesting, yes, and, and like I mentioned, maybe like the equivalent of buzzworthy or whoa, like look at that higher flashy, whatever, like talk of the this previous season like Freeman was. Uh, no, probably not, but still interesting names and guys who've had you know a lot of experience and have still have done a lot of good work, even if it you know wasn't on a, a team that was say top five or six or whatever it might have been like Cincinnati was under Freeman uh, when he was at D.C. there. Uh, I think Joe Moorhead from uh, Akron, the current head coach at Akron, former Oregon, Penn State uh, offensive coordinator is interesting in that, well, one, uh, we'll see if he will leave a head coaching job uh, for a coordinator job, even if it comes with a big, big raise, as you would expect that to be, uh, from a Mac job to a high-profile Power 5 coordinator. Uh, someone who's had a lot of coordinator experience, a lot of play calling experience. I think those are two pretty much musts uh, for Notre Dame in this coordinator search, considering uh, Freeman's not really going to add a whole lot there, having been a head coach for one year uh, and being a, a defensive background coach. Uh, uh, you look at, say, some other guys who've been in places for a while, and this is to say, like, possibilities here, uh, whether they'd actually be for the job. This is interesting. Andy Ludwig at Utah, I think, has done a really good job the last few years with. Uh, that offense really becoming an explosive 
uh, unit there and how he's worked with uh, camerizing the QB. Um, a kind of off-the-wall name, uh, Brian Johnson, the Eagles QB coach, uh, a guy who's been an offensive coordinator uh, at Florida uh, with Kyle Trask last season there uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Utah, I, I believe, as well. And then there's Sam Hartman's former offensive coordinator, Warren Ruggiero. Uh, even though you think of Hartman wanting to get away from that slow mesh, like he had mentioned, uh, Ruggiero's background is a lot more than that. He's been a coordinator uh, in uh, the FBS since 2009, and that scheme uh, was not uh, his go-to uh, when he was uh, back there. His list of quarterbacks uh, is or that he's worked with is really impressive. Goes beyond Sam Hartman for a way throwback. You might remember Josh Freeman, a first-round pick of the Bucks, uh, about a dozen years ago. Rogero coached him at Kansas State. Um, so it's yeah. There's not necessarily a you know make the statement type of coordinator or hire out there, but a lot of I think still names who you look at is like this guy's more than qualified, and this guy's resume is still pretty good as far as the highlights of the, the offenses that they run. Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated, my guest, discussing the vacancy right now for Fighting Irish Offensive Coordinator. Now, Patrick, you're an individual outside of maybe a couple of games you did not go on the road. You've been pretty much in every Marcus Freeman press conference since he was hired as head coach. And if you were not there, I know you went back and listened to them. So I'm wondering, your time listening to Marcus Freeman talk about the offensive side of the football have you picked up on a couple of elements of what he's looking for in a new offensive coordinator based on the press conferences he has held as head coach? Yeah, I think that's been a really interesting kind of thing and what why this hire is so interesting as far as like what it's going to say about maybe his philosophy of what he thinks good offense is, even if he's not the one running it, because obviously he's spent a lot of time game planning against it on, on defense. Like, no, he doesn't know uh, much about play calling, but he's seen offenses that have been really hard to defend. He's seen ones that have foiled his game plans, and he's seen ones that he's been able to uh, stop himself and see other teams stop on tape as he's prepped for them. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what the specifics of that are going to be, and nor have the pressers offered too many clues on that, but I think you get the sense that he's going to value a strong running game just when you think of the O-line, D-line driven program thing that he said, uh, you know, thousands of times it feels like at this point. So uh, someone I think with a history of, of that or someone who wants to really lean into that, uh, I think is going to be like uh, really under con- uh, consideration here. Uh, someone who's not particularly run heavy is, it feels like it might be a longer shot to get this job just because of how Freeman has wanted the offensive line to, uh, be the foundation or a foundation of the just team identity here. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, and I know the Ohio state game plan where he really talked about like run the ball, run the ball was so specific to that uh, specific week. And, but I'm just curious. I'm, what I'm most curious to see is how he goes about picking someone and what it says about what he believes versus when you compare it to what he said, in his introduction as head coach when asked about his philosophy and says it's his line was it's what you've seen and what you've seen from, from Tommy Reese. And, and we'll see how much of that's changed, how much that's similar or how much he's deviated from that a, a little bit uh, based on who he ends up hiring. Or even if you hear some of the names of the finalists for the job here, Patrick, your best guess, when do you think we will have a press conference where the new offensive coordinator is out in front of the media and the fan base? 
oh, a press conference. Who knows? It might be uh, start of spring practice. It could be uh, in mid to late February or like in like a few days after the hiring. Like I remember last spring when uh, Al Golden was announced as uh, Notre Dame defensive coordinator, and within 24 hours he's up there in the stadium media room. Uh, along with a lot of the other uh, new hired, newly hired assistants last offseason. Uh, I also remember when Freeman was hired, we waited about a month to hear from him. So we'll see. But as far as timeline, I imagine this is not going to be something that drags on for uh, a month or so, and that you'll see Freeman want to move fairly quickly because uh, spring practice is a month away, and that's not soon, but it's also not that far far away to when you think of like getting to know players getting them a little bit familiar just giving them a playbook and kinds of things uh before you get to spring practice where you when you start install and you want it to be like all right hit it right away not waste any time with with the install there so uh, i would imagine just kind of a best guess of say uh, within two weeks there's a hire made as far as when we hear from them (laughs) that just depends on how Notre Dame wants to, to do that but Maybe, it, and I would certainly not complain if it's within 24 hours like I was last year. <laughs> well, let's wrap up with one more, your best guess uh, answer to this particular question. I've not had a whole lot of time this afternoon to dig into this. I don't know if you have any feelings. I saw one of those college football Twitter accounts mention that Al Golden might still be in demand for an NFL coaching position. I think the the tweet went on to say they expect Golden to return to Notre Dame in 2023. I'm just curious, have you heard anything along those lines that there is a chance Golden may not be back? Uh, As far as concretely, no, but I'm I'm not surprised to hear that considering his work with the Bengals the last couple years, uh, his overall career track record and, and really his six years in in the nfl where uh you you make a lot of connections there you work with a lot of uh, good individual players that he helped out and uh, just most recently i mean you've seen his bengal linebackers uh you know guys who were drafted not in the first round younger players that he kind of worked with early in their careers turn into pretty solid starters for cincinnati and he's got a lot of uh, coordinator and, and head coach experience and play calling uh, experience now that he's like more recent play calling experience uh, at Notre Dame that he didn't have before he came to Notre Dame. So I would imagine that only makes it uh, more attractive as NFL teams are looking for potential uh, defensive coordinator candidates. Patrick, if Irish fans want the latest on the Notre Dame offensive coordinator search, they can go to blueandgold.com. If they are not a subscriber, how easy is it? You can join with our promo, uh, $29 that gets you through uh, spring practice, through post-spring, through fall camp, all the way up until the start of the season. You can find that link if you go to blueandgold.com. Limited time offer, so don't miss it. Uh, and, of course, before spring practice, uh, you'll be or that deal will get you, uh, if you join now, to the latest and all the coverage that we'll have when Notre Dame does indeed name an offensive coordinator. Patrick, thanks for jumping on board on this Monday. Appreciate your thoughts and your analysis on Reese and the new vacancy right now on the coaching staff as Marcus Freeman looks for a new offensive coordinator. So thanks for doing this, and I'm sure we'll be in touch again soon as more developments happen in these two storylines. Absolutely, Darren. Thanks for having me. You bet. Patrick Engel, check him out, blueandgold.com, Blue and Gold Illustrated. 
My colleagues covering Notre Dame football do such a great job of covering the Fighting Irish, and we will have Mike Singer on tomorrow's program to talk Notre Dame football recruiting, the impact of Reese's departure, and what a new offensive coordinator will have to do as the new guy in charge of the offensive recruiting anyway. And then on Wednesday, the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, Tyler Horka, will be back on the program. So we'll continue to talk about the Irish searching for a new offensive coordinator. It is 5.54, more sports beat, and a sports update coming up in a moment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 